Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. That means I have four guests and I've got a very exciting topic for all of you. It's near and dear to me because I'm considered an early woman in tech. I didn't know I was early in anything. I thought I got a late start. Somebody told me I was a programmer analyst back in the 19, I'm not going to tell you the year. And I wanted to speak to women who specialize in fields like science and math and medicine and find out what they're doing about creativity. Do they have any creativity in their personalities and their at their fingertips. And I find out that many of them are authors. They're novelists. They they dabble and they excel in all kinds of creative arts, even physical arts, even artistic arts. So let me start off with my opening monologue. And by the way, if you're watching us live, I think I forgot to change the description of the show on Restream. So you might think it's a different show, but we're talking about STEM women and what happened to their creativity. We're going to find it. So here's quote number one, the buzz. This is an Albert Einstein quote. It is verified from 1923. You may be surprised. Einstein said, after a certain high level of technical skill is achieved, science and art tend to coalesce in ethics, plasticity, and form. Very important. He really said that. You know I debunk all the quotes people send me just to make sure. Here's a second quote from an article in Forbes. Unfortunately, creativity is often attributed more to men than women. I was surprised by that. In Europe, women make up fewer than 40% of all scientific researchers, despite the fact that the continent has a centuries-old legacy of creative female scientists and inventors. Now, we think of creativity with inventors, right, ladies? I'm talking to my guests. We think of creativity in terms of invention. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I found there was a problem and I solved the problem and I was creative, but science, I don't know so much. And one more quote from the Forbes article before I introduce my wonderful guests. Listen to this, and this is a question for all of you out there. How many of us use the term creative to describe a person who is good at math? Hmm, the myth, and it is a myth, that the arts are creative and the sciences are quantitative. Aha, mm. shapes the way we approach education. The skills that come with creativity are necessary in STEM. And those of you not familiar with STEM, it's capital S. T-E-M. It's science, technology, engineering, and math in those fields too. That's also from Forbes. So we have Sandra Estock with us. Sandra, wave hello and say hi. We have Callie Bird with us. Hello, Callie. Welcome. They were on my creativity show on Monday night. We have Louisa Pateman. Louisa, welcome back. And a newcomer to my shows, her name is Allison Morgan. And the topic is the future of women in STEM. What about creativity? I'm Bonnie DeGram, Bonnie in the house, and we're so happy to be here. Let's get started. Sandra Estock, so happy to see you again. You were on my Read My Lips show on Memorial Day. I remember that. We were off air because the radio station was, was off for the day, and, and I engineered the show, and I think we live streamed on Facebook. So here we are on LinkedIn. So happy you're back. Sandra, please do me the honor. Introduce yourself. Take about three minutes. Tell us what you do. And what does STEM and creativity have mm -hmm. to do in your life? Go ahead, Sandra. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bonnie. And thank you, everyone that is watching right now. Um, I'm Sandra Estock, and I have been in the fields of technology, cybersecurity, and data privacy for over 20 years. And I experience in the side of um, of my profession also the, the being a victim of identity theft. And Homeland Security officers took me out of the plane when a, a cyber monster, as I call them um, was smuggling women into the U.S. And, you know, that uh, the identity theft and all the things that happened um, were very difficult at, at that time in my life and how that transformed me and my message and what I'm doing today. My, my book series is Happily Ever Cyber. And it's mm-hmm. about that journey. It's about how we can change a, a situation like either identity theft, cybercrime, or a life in technology and integrate in a creative manner, as you mentioned, Bonnie, um, how, how I create a new message, a different message. And for me, um, technology, it's, it's something that instead of being seen as a rigid, we're, we need to start seeing it as something empowering, something that can help us be happier, be healthier, be be part of our entire um, daily life. And, and that's what I'm doing with my books, with my programs, with uh, what I'm creating. And it's making, in this case, cybersecurity fun, cybersecurity inspiring, cybersecurity um, creative. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sandra. I appreciate that very much. And interesting that your creativity comes in in part of the science world, if you will, cybersecurity, STEM. <clears throat> interesting. Can't wait to hear more from you and your predictions about where we're going with this. Let's yes. go next to our second guest, Callie Bird. Callie, I love your name. I'm sorry. I, just, oh, I you. see your name and I think I'm reading a poem or a haiku or something. I'm waiting for more syllables. Callie, welcome back to my Hello. world of radio. Hello, dear. And why don't you please reintroduce yourself to the world that might not have heard you on my other show. Go ahead, Callie. Hi, everyone. So yeah, my name is Callie Bird. And I, over the years of I used to think creativity was just about being artistic. Um, many years ago, I was a music major. I actually came to America for a year. I was an exchange student in North Texas, and I played the flute and piano. Um, but not there, there's less obvious career paths in, in the music world. I didn't want to be a teacher or anything. So I ended up being a chartered accountant, like a CPA accountant. And, and I thought these were two separate worlds. And I went from accountancy to investment banking, and then I kind of went sideways there into, into training some of the IT, the technology systems. Um, and then I kind of went full circle back to accountancy where I worked with systems that for financial systems, supply chain, human resources. And, and I've done that over the last oh, 25 years. And, and, and I missed the artistic side. So I took time out and I worked part time. And um, I've written a novel that was published last year, Tales of the Countess. I've also done coaching, life coaching, and sort of, sort of personal development seminars and, and written about those topics. But you know what? In the last, I don't know, seven, eight years, I've realized there's, there is so much creativity in technology. Mm-hmm. When I've sort of been with my client and an aspect of the system is broken and it's a live production system, you know, you have to be really creative to think, right, how how did that happen? What can we do about it? How quick can we do it? How quick can we get it back online? That's creative thinking. 
when when you sit down with some of the users and they want a new aspect or a new screen in the system, they want it to do something different. Again, you scratch your head and you think, how the hell am I going to do that? And and when you're thinking of solutions, that's creative. So so I realized with that, you know, within my within my technology job, there was there was a lot of creativity there. And I shouldn't think that creativity is just about being artistic and you know and you I, I love the way that one of the quotes you said about you know math and creativity because in any job in any way of thinking we we go from our brain and we sort of delve to a deep unknown area somewhere and we pull something out we have those light bulb moments and we go oh it could be this and we try it and maybe it is maybe it isn't if it isn't we go back and, and we pull something else from the ether or the depths of our brain or wherever this stuff is stored and that is that is so creative. So whatever our field, math, technology, engineering, you know, we have to think of things that didn't exist before we thought of them. We have to pull them from the dark recesses of our memory and work out which one would be best for the solution. And that is creativity. I like the dark recesses of our memory or or maybe just the dark recesses of our imagination. Oh, that too, yeah. Bold and daring. Speaking of bold and daring, I'm happy to welcome our new guest on one of my shows, Alison Morgan. We're so happy to have you here. And would you kindly introduce yourself? Thank you, Bonnie. I'll be glad to introduce myself. Um, I'm Alison Morgan. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm actually a crime writer. I write under the name A.B. Morgan. I'm busy working on my ninth um, crime novel at the moment. I say that. I should be working on it, but I got a bit distracted by a, a short story and doing some narration. That's just in case my publishers are listening, by the way. Um, I'm a member of the Crime Writers Association, mm-hmm. but I'm also a member of the Society of Medical Writers because my formal career background was in nursing, mental health nursing specifically, and particular, in particular, uh, first episode psychosis. I used to um, be clinical nurse manager for a very specialist countywide service, um, community-based, a lot of young people involved in that. Um, and because I'm completely fascinated by people, when my body decided to play a nasty trick on me and I had a bit of a heart problem, my mm. career came to a, a juddering halt through no fault of my own. But I then found that I needed to look after my own sanity because Mm -hmm. I couldn't physically do the job that I loved and that I was trained to do and that I put my whole being into. And I had to occupy my my brain um, just to, you know, really keep me focused on to have something, to have a goal. And before that, I have to say my level of writing skill was factual it was you know it was based on report the facts you know how's your patient what medication have you given them what are the side effects blah 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 all very factual so when I decided to write that book that as everyone has in them apparently I had n- limited creative skill for writing fiction also I thought and when I opened that dusty cupboard of creativity in my head and I allowed myself to be free again with my thinking, what came out was quite magical, really. I didn't, I didn't have quite enough guts to kill someone off in my first novel, but, um, but there was a lovely moment of comeuppance which, um, which sort of freed my soul somewhat. And, and since then, it's been a cathartic experience and I've been able to sort of join up the two. 
So I'm able to inform people about mental health issues without them even knowing it through telling entertaining stories. So mm. that that's me in a nutshell, as mm. is at this point. Very in interesting. You didn't have the nerve to kill anybody off in your first novel. No, I'm really good at it now, though. So. I bet you are. I want, <laughs> I want you to send me an ebook if you haven't already. All right. Yeah, I'd yeah, love, sure. love to read one of your novels. I, I'm writing my first. My, it's a murder comedy. Not that murder is funny, but it, my book is funny. And oh, I've is. killed somebody off, but I haven't figured out who exactly in the cast killed that person and when and, and how. So anyway. And the book is called You Big Dummy. <laughs> that gives you a clue as to who. Yes, never mind. I'll tell you all off air later. I'm not sure we're live streaming right now. I've looked for us on LinkedIn and I can't find it. So we may just be on Facebook, but we'll take care of that later. So let's go to our fourth guest. She's been so patient. Louisa Payton, so happy to see you again. Would you please do us the honor of introducing yourself? Louisa, welcome. Uh, thank you, Bonnie. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Louisa Payton. I'm Australian and uh, I'm a civil engineer. And so... I've been doing civil engineering for about 25 years and uh, I specialise in transport planning and traffic engineering. And for those of you that don't know what that is, which is probably most people out there, it's basically looking at the road network and identifying solutions to transport problems. Uh, and that's anything from being a pedestrian, cyclist, uh, being on a train, on a tram, bus and the general road network. And so... I've been really fortunate in that uh, my career has offered a lot of creativity. And so I'm very science focused and mathematically focused. However, I, being part of the planning process, I, I, I fit in the what's called options analysis realm. And so for me and my work, I get to conjure up all these different options to try and fix a problem and then we go to go through what is called a multi-criteria assessment process to then narrow all those options down to then find the best solution and so it is actually incredibly creative and so I feel very fortunate that I was actually able to land in both uh, I guess a STEM profession but actually use my creative side um, when, when I'm at work and I love it and I've worked in Australia I've worked in England I've worked in Greece I've even been over to India and um and then yeah in my spare time I decided to write my memoir and uh yeah that's single again and again and again and uh that's based on my journey to becoming a single mother by choice and so yeah effectively with my career it wasn't because of my career but I just didn't happen to meet the right one so I ended up becoming a single mum but yeah so my creative skills I've I've used in many areas but I am very fortunate that I do get to use it on a daily basis in my job. Thank you very much, Louisa. Thank you all for your introductions. I am so impressed with the, the brain power. And I'll tell you how I first became aware of creativity in my first job as a programmer analyst. I was working for a community college in the state of Oregon in Eugene, and I became a programmer. Well, I won't take you through the whole journey. I've described it on many of my radio shows. But I realized that I was given a blank piece of paper to design a program that would meet a goal. I had to design a report to give certain data to the people who needed to analyze the results of some tracking systems for a full-time FTE for the teachers and data about the students in the community colleges in the state. That was where I worked. And it was interesting that 
looking at this blank piece of paper. It was up to me to create the approach. Yes, I use COBOL. Yes, I use top-down structure. Yes, I knew how to work all the syntax. Yes, I could write 2,000 lines of code on paper and come in and keep punch them on a Monday morning and have, them, have it running by one in the afternoon in production. But I realized that it was up to me to design exactly what the terminology was, what the structure was, what the loops were, what the go-tos were. And it was my, it was like a puzzle. It was like a maze, right? I had to get from point A to point Z, if you will, not point B. And I had to design the route to get there. And no, but two programs were going to be alike. And I realized that even within science, data science, there is the option to say, this is mine. I decided I designed, I created, I imagined, I want it to be this way. It was like designing a house, if you will, where, where you go in the door, then you go out the other door. Anyway, I just had to add that. So thank you all, ladies. I'm very, very impressed with you. So let's go to the part of the show where I have asked you all to send me a quote from a movie or a TV character or a song lyric that has nothing to do with our topic. And I'm going to ask you to describe briefly what it does. And after we finish this round, we'll go to the predictions. So Sandra Estock has sent us a quote from Try Everything, a song in Zootopia, a 2016 Walt Disney Animation Studios computer animated buddy cop film recorded by the one and only famous Colombian singer Shakira and written by Sia, who is also famous, and Tor Hermanson and Mikkel Erickson. And Zootopia is a city where anthropomorphic mammals coexist. The story is about an unlikely partnership between a rabbit police officer, rabbit, rabbit, and a red fox con, art, con artist as they uncover a criminal conspiracy involving the disappearance of predators. Oh, it sounds so sinister. Here's the quote. I won't, I, I'm not going to sing it because I don't know the song. I won't give up. No, I won't give in till I reach the end and then I'll start again. No, I won't leave. I want to try everything. I want to try everything, even though I could fail. Sandra, talk to me. How'd you find this quote? Oh, you know, this quote is one of my favorites. And it's actually a, a song that I play every single day for uh, as part of my routine. And um, the song has a meaning for me on my creative side, because it, it allows me to always think that everything that I'm doing I will not give up and I will not give in. Um, I'm in this quest to to bring a different side of uh, of my stories of cybersecurity, of a message, and in a creative manner. So when when I when I listen to the sun and when I think about that. Um, Sometimes characters will come to our lives and they might not be that person that, um, you know, stereotypes identify them as either, you know, the bad person or in this case with the movie. So um, I love the, the creative side of this movie and the creative side of the song. So characters can be who they want to be like in my case, I, I I want to to make sure that my 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 message and my creativity is reflected in the in the work that I'm doing. And one example that I will say, Bunny, inspire this um, inspire me with this quote is taking fairy tales, which I love fairy tales, and make them cyber stories. So it's a creative way to teach children and to teach families about cyber safety or cyber security. So for me, um, the, the song not only inspires me, but it also allows me to, to, to be centered and to know that 
I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to strive to be perfect. I can be as creative as an, as I am and uh, just keep going and never give up. Thank you very much. I'm not familiar with the movie. I think I might have seen it once. I have to go back and I have to listen to the song. Anything from Shakira, you have to listen to and you have to watch. Yes. Thank you very, very much. Callie Bird has sent us an iconic quote from the movie, When Harry Met Sally, dot, 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 1989 American romantic comedy film. And this is a line from a woman in a diner, very famous, played by Rob Reiner's mother, Estelle, who was an actress in her own right in response to Sally, played by Meg Ryan, the original Meg Ryan. I don't think she looks like that anymore. Sorry. It's her pleasure groans <laughs> to Harry, played by Billy Crystal, when they were having, a, shall we say, a public but intimate discussion about certain things happening or not, about faking or not, about who's real, about what they're experiencing or not, and about how often women might fool men. Aha. Uh -huh. And here's the line, <laughs> Kelly. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think we all remember the movie. Kelly, rescue me here. Talk to me. How does this quote relate to our topic? Go ahead. Uh, I just, well, I, I just love that because obviously the scene is iconic, but I love that lady at the end, the, the waiter comes over and says, what would you like for dessert, ma'am? And she goes, she just looks, goes, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> so, um, and I, I, I think for, for me, I'm always inspired by what other people are achieving. Um, so not in the context of this the, the, of this movie, but most of things I've done, whether it's when I was a musician or at work, I kind of I look at someone who's further down the line, further down the road than me, mm. and I think I, I want to be what they're doing, or I want what they've got. How do I get to do that? how do I get to be this? And I remember when I was a flute player, when I was in America, actually, for that year, there was another flautist and this guy, he was really fantastic. And my teacher suggested I play one of the pieces that he had played. And I'm like, wow, you mean I'm as good as him? I, I can be like him. So, you know, you can model yourself on someone who's further ahead than you, not to be them, but to be you in your unique way. So, yeah, um, yeah there's, uh, so I always want to learn from others. And I, and I, I want to achieve what they have, but in my way. <laughs> Thank you very much. Very interesting. There is a sense of, do you, ladies, do you all feel there's a sense of ownership to your creativity? Yes, yes, yes. definitely. Like, ah, I never thought about that. A proprietary ownership. It's, I created this. I thought of this. Maybe not first, but this version is mine. Mm -hmm. right? I never yeah. thought about that. The sense of, of I did it. It's, it's it. very interesting. I'll talk to you all off air about things that happen in the business world where you wonder. I, I once had an experience with a boss, I can say this, where we came up with an idea for something new. I was a marketing director for a bank in New York, and we had offices that only had the partitions come up about five feet tall. So there was space over the top. So everything, every phone call could be heard. That was the sense of, oh, we have to share, we have to be open. Never mind, I'm editorializing here. And I heard my boss on a call with somebody saying, yeah, I just came up with this great idea. And he parroted exactly what I had contributed to a plan for the team. It was my words. And he said, oh, yeah, look at me. I just came and I could hear him saying, yeah, thanks. I'm glad you like it. And I'm sitting at my desk saying, what? Seriously? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know. Who's a strange guy. Anyway, okay. Let's go to our next quote, Allison Morgan. Am I supposed to call you Allison or Allie? What do you prefer? Allie, Allison. Um, I'm going to go with formal. Then. You look like a formal kind of a lady. I'm going with I Allison. 
<laughs> what, do, what do I know? Okay, this is a quote. From, this is a cool one from Babs the Chicken, voiced by Jane Horrocks. Babs is the fattest of the chickens, a stout hen with a dim-witted innocence and a love of knitting. A Lancashire accent, which you put into your notes to me. The movie Chicken Run, two thousand stop motion animated adventure comedy film. Used to be it was a they just say a movie. Now it's stop motion. It's animated. It's adventure. It's comedy. It could have had thriller. It could have had mystery in there. Could have had sports. It could. They, they just the movie descriptions today have like twelve words in them. Okay, and here is the quote. All me life flashed before me eyes, and it were really boring. Bad accent. Sorry there, Allison. You're going to have to fix it for me, dear. Go ahead. What does this have to do with our topic? Oh, that was such a good effort at a Lancashire accent. I've never, I've never heard an American Lancashire accent before. <laughs> <laughs> Jane Horrocks would, would be really worried. She'd be shaking in her shoes. She'd go, all me life flashed before me eyes, and it were really boring. That's Lancashire for you. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> so talk to me about the quote. Anyway, the quote. The reason I chose that quote, apart from the fact that it does make me laugh every time I see the film, is because that could have been me. That could have been me. I was one of those girls at school for whom STEM subjects filled me with dread. Science, maths, anything to do with numbers, please just take me away. I was petrified of it all and I didn't I didn't achieve very well in any of those subjects, maybe biology, because I, I managed to squeeze myself to A-level biology. Um, so I wormed my way through school by doing anything but the subjects that theoretically should have got me into nursing. And I got into nursing because I took up a little part-time job when I had children in the local cottage hospital as a physio assistant. And then I became fascinated by what the nurses were doing. So I got myself a job as what used to be called a nursing auxiliary, which is now healthcare assistant or whatever they've changed it to. And I pestered those poor staff nurses until they said to me, please, please just go away, stop asking questions and go and do your nurse training because you'd be really good. And I did it and I did it and I did it as a single parent and I did my nurse training. And from that moment on, I was completely hooked on finding more creative ways of understanding the science behind what nurses do because nursing is both a science and an art so all my people skills i could employ mm -hmm. easily all the all the skills i was slightly lacking in i problem solved around I, I made the, the words work for me or I made a much more creative plan of action um, so that I could get through all those tr tricky technical bits and, uh, you know, chemical equations and things that, are, that used to just fill me with fear because I was that much older and that much more determined. And I could see that there was um, a way of understanding it in the real world. And that's hugely important. So my message girls is life isn't just about laying eggs learn to fly and do it creatively there you go wow 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 thank you allison i think this is a little bit of true confessions here it's true confession time <laughs> interesting sometimes i think you need to to take a step back and we need to look at who we are and what we've done and say what can That's we done. do right a little bit differently what can we and isn't there an element 
of excitement that we need creative people even yes them people who are creative we need that shaking it up from time to time louisa kelly sandra allison you agree we need to make it a little bit different we need to think what do i need not just to contribute to the world but what do i oh i'm going to say something very controversial selfish what do i need to contribute to my life that makes me feel alive and happy and valuable and interesting to myself Oh my, how can I be interesting to myself? Just a case in point here. And and Louisa, I'll get to your quote in a second. I decided three years ago to take up the drums. Don't ask me why. I called a school of music and I said, you give free drum lessons? They said, 30 minutes, come in. I looked at the drum teacher. I said, I don't know how to hold the sticks. I don't know what the pedals are. I can't coordinate the eye, hand, the, the, the brain, hearing the music track. And he said, let me teach you. And I signed up six weeks later. I was playing in an adult band on a stage at Motorco in downtown Durham. Wow. I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> and people said to me, oh, how long have you been playing? And I said, oh, six weeks. They said, wow. I was playing Aerosmith. Give me a break. That's not my music. And then I started my own band. And then I joined a community band here. We have a band that plays rock and roll. We're doing a Motown dance party in a couple weeks. And I I play at open mic nights around. This is a part of me. I, I took all that love of rock and roll and music, all the piano lessons, and I understood music. And it talked to me. And I put it into playing the drums. And I got to tell you, great way for getting your aggression out, ladies. Really, really, really great way for getting your aggression out. Anyway, so creative parts. How do we stay interesting for ourselves? Let me just go around the table. Louisa, give me a second here. Sandra, do you need to have this need to stay creative to yourself in your own life? Definitely. That's so important. As you mentioned, uh, if you don't, you know, doing it for yourself, doing something what, that makes you happy. And I love that story because I was terrified of um, my voice. My When I was five, I did a, an audition and I was told by my teacher, honey, singing is not for you. And I was crushed. I went home and my mom told me the same. So I was pretty much, I thought my my voice was horrible. I will never sing. I will sing a song like, like that because I was so embarrassed. And now, you know, embracing who I am, embracing what, you know, what the message that I need to, to convey and what I want to do it. It makes me feel so me and I love my voice and I love singing and I love um just being yes being, being here and being me so thank you thank you good point callie let's just go around the table callie thoughts about needing to have that creativity and excitement for who you are in your life what are your thoughts yeah you have to have it you can go a while without it and sometimes creativity and sometimes that excitement that can be hard work it can put you in scary places where you're up against your own demons so sometimes it's a relief not to have it, but times, but at those times, I soon get bored. So yeah, and I think as you get older, you get more confident at this. This is what I need. This is who I am, and I'm going to do it. And I don't care what other people think. <laughs> Thank you. I never thought about this aspect till I started the show and started listening to the four of you, your stories, Louisa. Let's go to you. Thoughts about the creativity that you need to spark who you are and and to like and be happy and be interested in yourself. What do you think? Yeah. yeah look, I I thrive on creativity, and so I I've done loads of stuff external to work that is creative. I. I actually renovate houses just because I love turning something into something completely different. So I've had like at least 
maybe eight to 10 houses that I've renovated over the years and sold them off. But yeah, so I've, I've done lots of property stuff. So I've done lots of houses where you just have a project and you renovate it. But I've also, I sew as well. And so I've, from a very young age, I've done a lot of things where I'm making things. And so, and I guess my engineering, I kind of am making, making things as well. But it, it, it's every part of my life is creativity and my writing is creative and I just thrive on it. It gives me energy. Mm -hmm. What a conversation. Yes. Alison Morgan joined us. What do you think? <laughs> Absolutely. My, my energy comes from other people as well. What bounces back at me. So when I, cause I do quite a few um, public speaking engagements mm -hmm. with them, um, with usually sort of social groups for older people so uh, the women's institute and lovely people and i've done all sorts of sort of clubs and various things a bit reduced since covid hit i have to say yeah. and i love that feedback and i love the interaction that i get and it's usually just talking about my crime writing or or mental health issues and crime writing and we do it in such a fun way we do workshops um how to plot a murder and oh just some superb stuff from the elderly ladies and what they can do with their knitting needles it is just the most fun, and I and I feed off of that. That that gives me that gives me the greatest pleasure to know that I can put a smile on someone's face. Just Absolutely. by talking about pumping yep. people off. That, yeah, you know. I started painting. I couldn't paint. I started yeah. painting a little over a year ago. I have 135 paintings. They are about 50 of them are hanging in my garage walls. I have a big double garage. They're in my living room, not in the bedroom. They're in the living room. They're in the dining room. They're in, in my music room. They're everywhere. They're in my kitchen. And what I discovered was I went from um, watercolors and collages. I put earrings. I put uh, it's mismatched or missing the mate, you know, like you put socks in the dryer and only one sock comes out. Well, you all have earrings. I use pierced earrings and there's always one missing from something that you love from years ago. They didn't, they fell or they got lost or they didn't move right or whatever when you moved. And I've done a lot of that. So I took them and I punched them into the canvas, put the back on the back and I make them into the lights and, and windows on buildings when I did my collages, which were cityscapes, but very dreamlike, very pinks and yellows and golds and I put glitter on them. And then I went to, I'm telling you for a reason, I went to acrylic paint pouring and there's a wonderful Australian woman named Jilly Cube, G-I-L-L-Y-K-U-B-E, who does a series of YouTube I'll say lectures, demonstrations on acrylic paint pouring. If you subscribe to her channel, you will be amazed at what she does. And I now pour paints out of an, a, a styrofoam egg carton. You take one half of a 12 pack across and you pour the paint in. You put a little bit of pouring medium to make a little liquider. You put a little bit of silicone oil, two drops, and then you pour it on the canvas and then you swirl it around and it makes, pa and then I let it flow. You let, you put it on plastic so it doesn't kill your, your counter. It has to be done flat. And I look at the paintings afterwards and I say, what do I see? I don't create, oh, oh I want to have a, an elephant. Oh, I want to make a car. I want to make a building or a flower. I just look and things have started to emerge. And I sometimes stand there and say, what? I, I created it, but I didn't. It appeared to me. And my creativity, one, I see three elephants walking in the back of, a, of a, a circus. Another one, I see people on a Broadway stage, and I call it Broadway Reopens After COVID. And I see, one, I see football players at night on a field. I never did that. They just 
come at Allison's looking at me like, you need help. Anyway, it's <laughs> it's fascinating to me. But we also use little balloons filled with water and you press them into multiple layers of paint and they make balloon kisses. And those are flowers that look just like pansies or carnations. And you use string to make lilies. You dip it in the paint and you make it S-shape and you pull the string off. And I use bubble wrap to put little dots of color. Anyway, it's fascinating. And this is a part, and this this is a relief from all the work I do because I work long hours as a radio producer. I just had to share that with you. It's just so oh. much fun is exploring. And I look at my paintings, they're on easels and on the walls of my house. And I say, I did that. I like that. That mm-hmm. makes me happy. And now I need that. It's something mm-hmm. I might do at 12, 1 in the morning after a long day of work. I, Allison, I need help, right? <laughs> <laughs> Louisa, I'm getting to your quote, my dear. I'm so sorry for the postponement, but this is okay. such an, you're such an interesting group. The quote is from Yoda, voiced by Frank Oz in Star Wars 1980. Yoda, of course, is a fictional character, started in The Empire Strikes Back. He's a green small humanoid alien who is powerful with the force and served as grandmaster of the Jedi Order. I think we need a women's Jedi Order sometime. Here's the quote Louisa has picked. This is interesting. You must unlearn what you have learned. Louisa, talk to us. Yeah. Look, I love Yoda, by the way. He's um, one of my idols. Um, I love wisdom. So wisdom is one of my highest values. And it's it's not about being intelligent or being intellectual. It's about being wise and, you know, knowing knowing how to live your life and, and you know, what little bits to take along the way. And so I just love Yoda. But, um, yeah, you must unlearn what you have learned is, for me, through school, you get taught certain ways and, and certain, um, you know, processes to do things. And when you come into, for me, in the engineering world, um, if you follow that very regimented, um, narrow-minded path, you don't get to use your creativity and you don't really get to flourish. And so by taking a step back and unlearning that and then using your imagination and using your creativity, you know, you, you get to you know, you have you have create better solutions and you, you fix problems in, in much grander scales and yeah and, and things just work better. And so sometimes you need to unlearn what you have learned and, and just trust yourself and trust your, your judgment and you know use your imagination. Thank you very much. Ladies, I appreciate your taking time with the quotes. All are very fascinating. Now we have a few minutes left and we're going to talk about our predictions. So Sandra, I sent you the wrong one and I fixed it. So here we are. <laughs> we're going with your prediction. I sent Callie. I sent one of yours to Sandra. So prediction number two from Sandra is creative visualizations yes. will become one of the primary skills in STEM programs around the world. You use your mind's eye to create scaffolding images of what you want to achieve or create. I'm going to stop there. Sandra, take about two minutes to tell us what this means, please. Yes, uh, I love, you know, this I'm very passionate about and I see it as, I see it as the future. I use it for myself and I, I you know, scaffolding images um, are visualizing what, what you want to either to achieve in your life or to achieve in your career or in general in life. And um, I, I, I was reading a book um, recently, very old book from uh, The Science of Getting Rich. And he was talking about how everything is created twice. And everything is created twice because for anything to be created, you have to be thinking about that 
in the first place. So whether it's, you know, Zoom or a pencil or um, a new device for a medical um, facility. So somebody had to think about that in order for that object to exist. So for me, the prediction is that we get more creative in our thinking, in our way to, to imagine the world in steam, the world that we wanna create for ourselves, the more um, we start seeing materializing things. And um, I'm witnessing this every single day and visualizing my life, I, you know, it's, being either a writer or a uh, or a speaker was never in my mind that it will be possible to happen. But I started visualizing that, and I think if if you are in a STEM um, career and you have a dream, whatever that dream is, just start seeing that in your mind, and you will see yourself either as a as a doctor, as an engineer, and just start picturing that over and over and it will become a reality. And I think when we start doing that in the field as a regular uh, activity or as a regular practice, I think the world can really be a different place. Thank you. Very inspirational. I'm going to move to prediction number three from Callie Bird. I'm going to read just a little, Callie. There's a lot here. You say the rise of AI, that's artificial intelligence, does not have to be a bad thing for writers, despite the fear that machines will spit out news articles and books and uh, machines, AI, machine learning, have been writing articles for major newspapers for several years yeah. now. People may not know that. So Callie, put our mind at ease. Where are we going with this? Go ahead. Well, that kind of thing in terms of, you know, journalists out of work and um, machines writing news articles or interest articles. I mean, that is a big fear. There's, um, there's, you know, with, with artificial intelligence, you can put all the works, for example, of Charles Dickens into the computer and it will write new novels in that voice. Um, it's so... Oh, so on one hand, that can be really fearful. You know, we're all we've all written books here, and and, and you're writers as we speak, Bonnie. And you could think, God, that you know those machines could do that much quicker than me. This this is a bad thing. But there's also so many great tools. One of one of the things which is more possible now is things you know like things like Google Translate, and you know you can translate a novel length book in you know, in a couple of minutes now. And and that's not going to put translators out of work because the work will still need finessing. You know, so you I could take my book and I could put it in into into German, feed it into one of these things, you know, it will spit out the manuscript again back to me very shortly. But but it will still need a human to finesse that, to make sure the language is right, to to spot the things which don't really translate well. You know, I'm sure we've all used apps on our phone and you translate into one language and translate it back to English and it's and it's you know semi gobbledygook. So 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 the AI or the you know extra technology can take can take the brunt out of what we do, leaving us with more time for, for the better stuff. And also like narration, audiobooks are huge now, especially the pandemic. Um, and it's getting to a point where AI voices uh, don't sound like, you know, monotonous computer voices. It, it might be that you can say, right, I'd like this book read to me in a Scottish accent or an American accent or a, or a Canadian accent. I'd like this book with a female um, narrator rather than a male, male narrator, and and it's getting to the point where where that's 
doable and cheap enough, you you could do that. And, and if you want a more human, say you want a well-known actor to to narrate the book as well, well then then the customer pays a couple of dollars more for that. So it, it's it's given us choice. And we've always had writing tools: the pen, the typewriter, the computer, the thesaurus. You know, they're all writing tools. But but we don't see that any of that is cheating. We just use the tools and bring our creativity and all the stuff we've talked about in this session you know, stuff which is uniquely ours from our dark recesses. And all, all that comes together to create more. Thank you. And I'm thinking, uh, I had a thought on this, um, empathy. Empathy is missing, right? That human mm -hmm. empathy, that feeling, Definitely. that caring, that sensitivity. You're not going to get that in an AI translation. But to your point, Callie, we've been able to pick on our automobile GPSs for several mm. years, I believe, yeah which voice and which accent, right? You can have yeah. a, a man say, turn right 500 feet ahead. Or you can have a man, a woman say, turn right 500 feet ahead, whatever, whatever makes you feel better about driving. Let's move on, Alison Morgan. I picked prediction number three for you. You say, if we continue to turn everything into an ology, O-L-O-G-Y, or a therapy, which people seem to do, we risk continuing to alienate swaths of creatives who could have blossomed in STEM subjects if the language was changed to reflect the diverse range of roles and future careers in STEM. Those are fighting words. Alison Morgan, talk to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not meant to be a fighting type uh, scenario, but it's occurred to me that for young girls, as I was at school, if anything had anything sounding too scientific, it would have put me right off. And mm -hmm. I think in general, through education and beyond, we've fallen into that trap of giving something a label to make it sound more scientific, more intellectual, yeah. uh, uh, um, more academic by putting an ology on the end. When I was at school, it's a long time ago, um, <laughs> when, when we did geography, there was human geography and physical geography. Lovely. Got it. Brilliant. Now you've got sociology. Is that not just human geography? So there were there are the arts, the humanities, the sciences. So it gives you a bit of a broader depth to, you know, as a young person, where, where can I go? Where am I going to feel that I, my skills could lie? I could do that subject because I don't, I'm not going to feel crushed by inabilities with my math skills or whatever. So to open a few more doors very early on by not adding ologies, I think is quite important. And the same applies for the therapy thing. Now, this is just a personal bugbear, so forgive me on this one. <laughs> but um, you can go and pay lots of money to people to have a therapy it's not to be confused with doing something that's therapeutic, which most creative activities are. They're very therapeutic. You don't need to turn them into a therapy where you're paying a therapist <laughs> to allow you to do something that's perfectly natural, normal and easy to achieve. I'm going to give you, um, <laughs> I have to write this down, this particular quote um bibliotherapy everybody i I've <laughs> found a definition for bibliotherapy is a creative arts therapies modality <laughs> that involves storytelling or the reading of specific texts with the purpose of healing it uses an individual's relationship to the content of books and poetry and other written words as therapy bibliotherapy is often combined with writing therapy <laughs> 
just read a, a book that makes you feel good and uh, pick up some poetry that makes you feel join a reading group you know join a writer's group have discussions and share what lovely books and quotes from books like you do on your programs bonnie and um, you know that that lift people you do not need to turn these things into a therapy if if it carries on like this, going for a walk in the woods will become forester therapy or something <laughs> blinking ridiculous. So that's my personal little bugbear with it all because you don't need that. These wonderful creative things are already there. You don't need to ologize them or therapize them. Alison, so. when I said fighting words, I meant provocative and I knew you would <laughs> deliver the goods and you did. Everybody stop talking about therapy. You're right, forest therapy. And next thing it'll be uh, hairbrushing therapy, which they probably <laughs> yeah, already yeah. have. And next thing it'll be dry between your toes after a shower therapy. And next thing it'll be, it'll be uh, what kind of lunch bag, do, don't you put your kid's lunch bag in or something like that, that kind of therapy. It, you're absolutely right. Stop adding ology. You're right. Get away. And the funny thing is ology is part of what we call science and science is part of STEM, but you're saying mm. stop, stop making everything so formal. I'll tell you my, Luis, I want to go to your prediction and I'll tell you my favorite way of relaxing, which will probably surprise all of you. Uh, Luisa, <laughs> prediction number two, she predicts in the next two decades, engineering companies will harness and inspire creativity through the introduction of more fun and flexible mixed use collaborative office layouts and work environments at in a, a position to the traditional desks with less emphasis on emphasis on company hierarchy and structure and more emphasis on creative thinking brainstorming and innovation what is that office of the future going to look like it is is it my kitchen or my den or or my car because <laughs> we're coming out of the pandemic louise and everybody created so talk to us how will these new work environments look very interested go ahead yes yeah, so I guess if you um, think in in Hollywood, they often have, um, I guess, Google offices um, reflect that fun, uh, very young uh, office environment where they don't seem to be working. And uh, I'm not saying that that's what it's going to be, but that's the extreme, if you like. And uh, certainly for engineering, it's a very structured uh profession and you get a lot of tradition and so the office environment is stifled uh, by having these traditions and these hierarchies that have been there since the dawn of time and that often stifles creativity and we've found some international uh, some of the larger corporations and, and companies are actually moving towards these mixed-use spaces so instead of having your own desk they actually have hot desks and so you don't actually have your own drawers, you have a locker. And basically you come in and you go and decide each day where you want to sit and who you want to sit with as opposed to having a designated space. Wow. And then they have these um, these spaces where you can just go and workshop and talk to people and actually uh, mix with other disciplines that you wouldn't normally mix with. And, and it's interesting because I've spoken to a few people. I hire a lot of people through my work. And... Uh, more and more people coming through the engineering are actually wanting these. They may have been exposed to it and they're saying, well, actually, one of my criteria is actually the office environment and I don't want to go back to these these typical, you know, desks where people just sit in their solos and um, their silos and they don't actually um, interact with everyone. And so it's becoming more and more, um, I guess, it's it's becoming more and more prevalent, but it's, it's still very, very... Um, at, you know, only a few companies are actually doing this at the moment. But uh, I do think that as we, you know, go into the future, um, you know, if we're going to come up with these creative 
and brainstorming ideas. I think that the work environment plays a very big part in that. And if we move towards that, and I do think that will happen, I think it's going to really encourage creativity. Thank you. That was very interesting. The idea of sitting where you want on an any yes. given day reminds me a little bit of movies we see where nobody wants to sit with the nerdy kid or the geek at the first day of school and he or she has to figure out who the other nerds are and they bond and become. That's interesting. That that brings into mind, Louise, all kinds of, of social constructs in terms of yes. where's the popular kids and where's the best part of the office and where are the creative people and where are the people on the fast track up yeah. to management. Thank you all i want to get one squeeze in one more. we got two and a half minutes left i want to squeeze in one more quick prediction from sandra and just take about 90 seconds for this sandra you yep. say you predict an increase of mentors leaders and role model women in stem areas may empower younger girls to pursue stem careers uh programs like stem like a girl chick tech stem for her and many more just quickly give us a little bit of background on this sandra go ahead Absolutely. You know, we, we can see it right here, Bunny, with what you're doing. I mean, you are inspiring any girl right now thinking about, you know, drumming, you know, being a drummer, being in technology, being a writer, you know, you, Allison, with your with your crime novels and you, Callie, with your books and and Louise, with all, you know, her engineering background. I mean, we are all doing it. And I think once once girls or you watching this this show, you can see how technology and steam can just go anywhere and creativity and these organizations. I love what they are doing. They are inspiring the, the future girls to to know and to see that STEAM careers are fun, are happy, are places where they can find themselves, they can be themselves, they don't have to be perfect, rigid, or boring. Thank you very much. Code like a girl because we know what we're doing, right? Yes. There were when I when I was taking my two degrees, I have a degree in psychology, a bachelor's, and I went to graduate school at a community college and got two associate degrees in programming and operations. And we were, I'm gonna say, refugees from professions. We had somebody who dropped out of medical school, somebody who dropped out of law school, somebody who didn't want to go and be a, a doctor, somebody who didn't want to go be whatever it was. And we were, I think, a mix of of mature late twenties, early thirties. Some of us were already parents, single parents, speaking to you who are, and we just bonded together and we just loved coding and there were an equal number of women yep. and men. And it was fascinating. Ladies, I'm inviting you back for part two this fall because we have so much more to talk about. So if you'd like to join me again, I'll send you yes. a date. So thank you all. And I have a message. Thank you to Aaron Keller at Voice America Radio. Everybody say, thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Thank, thank you, Aaron. There you go. <laughs> Facebook, we know we stream live. I had the wrong title on the show. I fixed that already. LinkedIn, I don't think that Restream got you today, but I'll post a link to the Facebook video. If you really want to enjoy the show and you've enjoyed it already on Voice America Business Channel, you have to see the facial expressions of my guests today <laughs> as they were emoting and sharing their creativity. I've just had a wonderful time. So if anybody tells you, this is a message to everybody. Ladies, I want you to raise your hand and wag your finger. If anybody tells you the future is already here, come on, you say to them, no, that was yesterday's future. Mm -hmm. Today's future didn't happen yet, and we're here to make it a better one. Wave goodbye. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. 